Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today's guest is a new friend of mine. She's remarkable. She's brilliant. She's funny. She's kind. And I can't wait to introduce her to you so that you too can fall in love like I have. So welcome to the show, Dr. Alana Curry, known as Dr. Alana. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. You're such a special person. So when we chatted on the phone, we found out we had some down south connections and that I think we kind of speak the same language and I just <laughs> felt very comfortable with you. And I feel like when people get to know you, they, they, they trust you immediately. They feel like they can relate in great ways to you. Uh, so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm, I'm Dr. Lana. I'm a trauma psychiatrist and I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. And then I left St. Louis to come to New Orleans for college at Xavier University of Louisiana. I'm very proud of my Xavier education. And I came to Houston to go to Baylor College of Medicine and I stayed for psychiatry residency. So I'm in Houston, Texas. I'm a proud uh, retiree from the VA where I did the majority of my career treating PTSD, trauma-related conditions, um, anxiety, depression, addictions of all sorts, you name it. So I, I, had a, I had a robust career in the VA. This is some serious heart-led work. Yes. Wow. Talk about a purpose-driven mission. Um, you're living in service to others. Um, hopefully you're making some money doing it because you can't sustain a business without doing that. But um, let me ask you, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? My proudest accomplishment has been to even become a businesswoman. I have a for-profit company, Envision Mental Health Consultants, and a nonprofit, the Dr. Lana Trauma Recovery Institute. And both of those really were birthed from the space that uh, really my own traumas, where I was in the midst of a thriving uh, career, a thriving, what I felt was a thriving marriage, and all things seemed to be going well. And then I realized, actually, um, Michael Brown Jr. happened in 2014. Michael Brown Jr. was yeah. killed in, in Ferguson, Missouri. And me being from St. Louis and having that uh, grown up there, I went to school in, in the Ferguson area, um, it was a very personal moment for me because I very much related to uh, just being a young kid, you know, I got into mess when I, when I was a teenager in St. Louis. And I, but at the time I was also married to a police officer. And that was a, a moment of forced empathy where I uh, yeah. equal, equally identify with both sides of the coin and could really, um, in applying my own uh understanding of trauma could really see how both of those individuals could see that situation this exact same thing and see it and experience it and understand it very differently and wow. so yeah that moment for me uh what birthed this this business now because I believe that if we teach about how trauma impacts the way that we interpret things and the powerful emotions that drive 
our a lot of our behaviors, we can get more control over ourselves in the small situations that we think of that we run into in our life, but also the big ones that really have life and death consequences for all of us. So it's almost like you're making sense of our feelings. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly awesome. that's <laughs> that's exactly what I what I feel we need to do because you know if you if you think about the way our society operates we get very little education about emotions. Like when in your life's curriculum have they done any direct education about emotions? How much do you think you've gotten in your lifetime? Exactly. Zero. <laughs> Next nine. <laughs> and and I remember being even in that space where I when I started to really examine myself and apply what I was teaching to my patients about why they would have these um, uh, anxiety outbursts or these anger outbursts in these other circumstances as, a, as they were describing for me what they were feeling and I was applying my understanding of some of these primitive brain systems that human beings don't, don't even know to think about. Um, I started to realize that even I, who have had a lot of training specifically in these things, was not thinking of humans as uh, powerful super creatures, each one of us capable of creating at all times and how powerful our thoughts are to create our emotions and how powerful those emotions are to create our actions. So I started dissecting that and realizing oh crap, I'm a psychiatrist and I'm not even realizing where my emotions may be pushing and pulling and shaping the things that I'm doing or saying. And we need to go back to the drawing board and gaining an understanding of the greatest technology on earth, which is the human body, the human brain. Um, but we don't get, we don't get much educate. We get a kind of a little bit of education in school, right? But that stops fairly early in our life. I you know? don't even think so. I mean, I was taught to be nice <laughs> and that's it. You know, I didn't even learn what empathy was and how it's different from sympathy. And I didn't learn how it can be, um, you know, biological when you listen with empathy versus judgment, different things happen in your brain and in your body. And then maybe different things come out of your mouth and into your ears. So I think your work is, evolutionary and, and incredible and revolutionary and amazing and um i think you know here's something that'll blow your mind um you and i are connected in so many ways but um i actually have a niece who runs the sanford school at uc san diego and their uh empathy and compassion division which trains doctors medical doctors um to understand what empathy is and how to practice with empathy. And that's, I should connect you to, cause I think you could do a lot of work for them and uh, you know, help them with this new pro it's a new program, sure. uh, help them with this new program. I think the two of you would just really, I mean, this just hit me when you were talking, I'm like, you know, MDs, my, my dad was an MD. Yeah. And he was like, old school where, you know, I'm the doctor, I'm the professional, I'm the expert, all my patients just do it. I tell them and then they leave. Right. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, patients have access to so much information. They're going to challenge and ask questions. And, you know, doctors need to be able to answer with empathy and understanding and listen more than they talk sometimes. Absolutely. That's what you, you know, 
first of all, you live it. You're a good example of it. Um, secondly, the, the, the be able to meld the head-led work that you do with the heart-led work that you do is incredible. Yeah, I, I remember at one point looking up the word doctor and reminding myself, surprisingly, reminding myself that the word stems from to educate, doceri, and to educate. And I always considered it important to translate information to the patients. And I think that one of the things about digging deep within myself to find a deeper level of empathy was that I realized that many times we doctors talk over people's heads they use we our, our vocabulary our vocabulary explodes when we get into medical school i can't even remember the statistics but it it becomes hard to remember what it's like to not just talk like other people but to think like other people and so we do a terrible job of bridging the gap between what we understand and what the other person understands and we, I began to aim my, uh, be very intentional about aiming my approach at helping the person understand their own body, because who better to correct your own mind than you, you have nobody can control anybody other than themselves. But humans have a huge blind spot for themselves. Like right now I can see my, my hands, I can see a little bit of my legs, but I don't see myself as well as another person that I'm talking to. And I certainly don't see how my words hit them, how my actions are interpreted by them, unless I'm being intentional about using empathy to hear myself through the other person's ears or to see myself through the other person's eyes. And that's, that's reality. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that this is, so I'm in communications, as you know, M much of my audience that listens regularly knows this as well. But for those of you who've never listened in before, um, my primary message in all the comms that I teach and all the comms theory that I teach is, if you remember nothing other than this one thing I'm about to say, you're still well ahead of most people. And that is the receiver makes meaning of the message regardless of the sender's intent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and intent most of the time does not equal impact. And most of us uh, are, I tell people human beings actually operate in a semi delusional state sure. and de delusional me, you know, fixed false belief. And the, all of us are to a degree operating in that state because you're only privy to what your brain can interpret of what's happening in the world and the words that you use, the language that you've been taught to apply to the situation. So everybody standpoint theory in my world. Yeah, exactly. So everybody thinks their version of reality is the reality until you're taught to recognize to pop that bubble and yeah. look at like, okay, wait a minute. Now there's a there's a whole nother perspective of this that is just as valid as mine. That other person is wrestling with the same biology that I have. They have the same need to interpret things that I do and understanding the switches in our brain. I teach about six primitive brain systems 
that are important to understand because every psychologically traumatic situation that we've had programs those parts of our brain to react a certain way and to be on the lookout. And Is so- Is that can, what's responsible for triggering? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. When you, so I'll give you an example with triggering. Um, your RAS, your reticular activating system is the part of your brain that filters information so that your brain doesn't have to try to take in uh, everything, right? It, your brain is um, trying to be energy efficient. So your RAS is tuned to pay attention to the things that are most painful and most traumatic and the things that you want to avoid because that's the way you can be protective. Protective, yeah. Mm -hmm. So any traumatic experience that you may have, we can even use a basic situation like a, um, um, recently we had a gas leak scare in my in my house and so we we took care of it and got it fixed but the next time I went to use that oven after it was fixed even though I saw the man fix the thing and test it and check it when it came on my body just I, my amygdala started making me anxious and I started sniffing and smelling and touching and opening windows and and uh and just like okay is everything okay maybe I'm missing something but I knew that it was my body's attempt to make to keep me safe because we had had a scare and that that's a normal reaction even though I'm I'm like I, I know it's fine in my head but my body is still programmed to be triggered by this thing to make sure that I'm more diligent. But the problem is when we can't distinguish the difference between a perceived threat and a actual threat, we will behave as if the perceived threat is happening. Now imagine that times 7 billion. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to tell you, somebody once said to me that um, feelings are real. They're not always based on a real threat, but the feelings themselves are real. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a powerful, powerful revelation to come to. I don't think, I, I don't think people think about the stuff that you do, right? I mean, you and I think about things most people don't. Um, we make sense of the world, right? Yeah. So I, I love your stories. I, I mean, I see so my my brain is just spinning out of control with so many thoughts about um, connections and good we could do for the world and all that good stuff. Um, but let me ask you, you inspire me. Who has inspired you? Did you have a mentor? I've had many mentors along the way, oh, I have to say. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey. I give Baylor College of Medicine actually a lot of credit for the investment that they made some years back to ensure that there were uh, more minority and African-American physicians and professionals in that space. So I've had some great uh, personal mentors, Dr. Toy Harris, uh, Dr. Kathy Flanagan, and many, really many of the attendings that I had served as, uh, which is the, the training doctors as I was coming up, they served as, you know, mentors for me directly. Uh, I love Oprah. That's, she is, she is amazing to me. So I'm very inspired by people who use their traumas for triumphs. 
and turn those around and make those uh, into and, and are willing to be open about those things so that they can help heal other people. Beyonce is another <laughs> another person that I'm very inspired by because I think that she has really taken her really been intentional about trying to empower other people and using her own talents to shape her story. And I think all of us have the capacity to take these painful, traumatic, awful things that we don't like to think about, barely like to talk about, um, but that have sometimes shaped us in negative ways. We can shift our beliefs about what those things meant to us and make them into very powerful stories that can not only uh, help us financially, but really allow us to heal by talking about those things. I tell people, you can't heal from something that you won't discuss. And so I, I'm always motivated by people who are, are authentic and who share their pain and their, uh, their positive moments so that people really can see the real deal, because I think that's important um, in a society that often is emphasizing what everybody else has and making social media makes it look like everybody's just got it made. But even those people are struggling with their internal challenges. So that's, you know, that's I have to say fake book um, <laughs> does lead you to believe that everybody else is living the perfect life, whatever <laughs> that might mean. But yours truly, I am that woman who is spiritually mature. I have gone through everything you're talking about and I've gotten to a place where I am who I am and your approval is not necessary, right? So I put all that stuff on Facebook. I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm taking care of my mom who has Alzheimer's and I'm, I'm telling the, the things that it's triggered and the trauma that I've experienced. Yeah. And my husband is so conservative. He's the total opposite. Like he doesn't put anything on Facebook. He's not yeah. even on Facebook. But I, I, I do, I grieve through writing and I share my experiences. And in a way I give permission to other people to be authentic. And I think that's what you do too. Yeah. That's my, my goal. And I think the reason why people connect with me so quickly is because I, I think one of the unique things about being a psychiatrist and being a trauma psychiatrist specifically, yeah. um, or being the trauma psychiatrist, because there's no other trauma psychiatrist that I know of, um, people have told me some of the probably most horrible stories in terms of what has happened to them in their life. I've heard so many versions of sexual trauma, physical trauma, emotional and verbal traumas, um, war and combat traumas, just all kinds of things. And I've and they've admitted to me all types of things that they probably wouldn't tell anybody else. But at the end of the day, what empathy really if you're using it well, what it causes you to do is to recognize why that person thought about it the way that they thought about it to even do what it is that they did. And understanding that at the core of being a human, your beliefs matter. What you tell yourself matters. What, what you have concluded about what happened to you, it matters. And so that is so validating for so many and, and, and very few people on the planet. Well, first of all, I've never heard of, of a trauma psychiatrist. So that's, <laughs> and I look, I, I do a lot of this work on the comm side, the theory side, yeah. you're the medical side. Um, 
there it's well kind of you're like both right yeah both um i am so just jaw dropped by you and i can see how people do connect with you immediately because you create a safe space just even in your tone of voice right your choice of words is one thing but even your tone of voice you're very warm and soft and and you're like um i don't know it just feels like uh, it would be easy to tell you my story and you would not only give me concrete steps to heal or to do better or take a new direction you would do so in a way i don't know like your favorite warm and fuzzy slippers <laughs> <laughs> I think it's be. I personally, my theory on that is because I'm very, I, I understand, I've done a lot of work in this space and I understand that emotions are the language of the soul. And oh God, I love that. I'm right <laughs> emotions are the language of the soul. So I understand. I also looked up the word psyche and realized that, you know, when I'm, what I'm studying is the interface between biology and spirit. So the, the physical human and the non-physical human and that we all have a very real invisible self and the anatomy of that self are thoughts and emotions um, which I, I distinguish between emotions and feelings because feelings to me are the transmission that your body your your I talk about your limbic system your amygdala it transmits sensations throughout our body. So none of your emotional decisions are made by your heart, by the way. It's all coming from your brain and from your amygdala. But that's sort of just how basic our understanding collectively of our bodies is, that we, we use those type of colloquialisms, but it actually perpetuates false information about the human design. Yeah. Yeah, so I really, um, I believe that what people feel is that I, I'm not judging because I understand how would they know? I'm a psychiatrist. I went through all the school. Right. <laughs> I, I, I got the transcripts. I got the A's. I was there. I went to, I might've slept through big class, but I was there. <laughs> you got the big M and the big D behind your name. Yes, yeah. Not for a lot. But I want to say, um, you know, when I speak Susan, a lot of people are like scared of that because I'm very open and I use words like spiritual, like what you just did or sacred or that scares a lot of people who operate in the um, root chakra world, right? The, the automaton, get up, go to work, make your money, go home, cook dinner, sleep, get up, do it again. So when I first met my current husband, yeah, I say current, he's not my first rodeo. <laughs> but, uh, when I first met him, he used a sentence that is a sentence that means more than just words to me. And he talked about spiritual, physical, emotional, and intellectual connection. Yeah. And the way you just described the relationship of, you know, spirit to biology or, or biology and spirit, that was just so, I had chills. Um, I'm not leaving my husband for you, but... <laughs> awesome That's thank you so beautiful i don't know a lot of medical doctors who have used those two words in the same sentence probably not and i think that that's i think that when i realized um, a few years ago how um I, I had to rethink how i was 
applying my medical knowledge. And what I mean by that, that's where the, the business came from and the skills over pills approach came out of that because I recognize that human beings collectively lack empathy. It's, it's something, I think, because we're still primitive. Overall, as a species, we're still very much operating in those very loud and impulsive parts of our brain and our body because we didn't even know that we had them. And so then I had to figure out, okay, how do we overpower those urges? And that's when I started realizing like, okay, we have this prefrontal cortex, this part of our brain, we're barely using it. How do you get this thing to come on? <laughs> how do you, how do I teach myself how to make that distinction every time and then how do I transmit that to other people? And that made me have to lean into a lot of things that were very painful for me. I, I got a divorce. Um, I went through a divorce. I, I, I uh, developed health problems and I had to cut down to from full time to three days a week. And then I couldn't even do that. I went down to two days a week. And then I had to go a whole year um, unpaid while I waited for the, the retirement process because I, I just couldn't keep up with what it took to be a clinical uh, physician. And that was a huge blow to my uh, self-identity. And um, let me ask you that. That's a perfect segue. I wanted to ask you, what has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? Would that be it? Whew, you know, I would have said that 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 was my biggest challenge before uh, last February when my son was burned. Um, so this is all wow. like over the past few few years that my health, you know, I, I can just, I, I probably don't even have time to go into all the traumas that I had between the divorce and having to start over financially and start relocate my family and um, get uh, really go into a 50-50 custody situation. So the, the blow of having to not being able to do what I thought I should be able to do as a mom. Like there were <laughs> the, the, that's just a few, but my son was burned in February. Um, and I was right there next to him. I was actually uh, heating up some water so he could do a sinus rinse and I was trying to disinfect it. And he didn't realize how hot it was. And he went to pull it out of the microwave without using a stool. And he brought it, the, the mug down over his head. So um, he burned all the skin off of his face and it hit his shoulders and rolled down his back. So that was a very uh, traumatic situation. And we spent in the hospital and dealing with swelling and all kinds of, and just the unknown, right? Like what, and what do we do And as a mom now? too, that's devastating. You're, oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So um I, I went, that was probably, I would say at this point, um, the hardest thing that I've ever had to overcome because this was also in the midst of me trying to uh, launch these businesses or uh, launch my nonprofit. And this was in the midst of me trying to uh, figure out how I was going to fully make ends meet and recalibrating. I need to he's, he's oh he's great <laughs> he actually so right as coronavirus was hitting um we had had a wonderful recovery he didn't have to have skin grafts 
Um, his skin is healing beautifully. He has a little bit of, you know, patterning in his skin um, in a few places. But if I can keep the boy out the sun, we'll, <laughs> we'll be yeah. great. Um, yeah. But he's he recovered amazingly. But he he was released from doctor's care right as we were going into coronavirus. So then. <laughs> you know oh and and our and our dog died that week so. oh my god jeez yeah. <laughs> um that's so sad like uh, uh, just the combination of things the one two punch you know one right after the other after the other i think 2020 for all of us has been just kick it under the carpet right but for you it sounds like it's been extra challenging sorry I'm laughing because that's that it's almost like when people ask me like how are you doing I'm like I want to say I'm good (laughs) I want to say I'm fine um but I I certainly I have my days and I have my moments but I'm I'm more good than anything because I have a lot of peace about this process and I understand how important it is to get this information out to people so I think it gives me um the passion and the energy to keep going because otherwise I would just I would just be retired which I I, you know I still have that as my goal I can't see I can't see you doing like even in retirement you're going to be busy (laughs) (laughs) I I certainly I certainly will be busy but I'll be busy doing what I want to do instead of um having to juggle so many things because it you know it is it is a lot and it does feel like I have a thousand eggs in the air but I tell myself every day good enough good enough whatever it is that I'm able to do today whatever I'm able to accomplish whatever my kids learn today um, if we make it through mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy um, because I equate those things by the way um, ESP I equate emotions spirit and psychology as really we're we're talking about the same thing. We have different concepts for it, but it's all mushed together. And so it's less important to me that they get their their math and their science and I want them to do it, but I, I don't want them to come out of the pandemic unhealthy because we fought and fussed and argued over what they what they're doing because everybody is under stress so we already were operating most people at if not at 100 percent capacity or beyond most people were carrying a lot before the pandemic hit and then you have the expected stress of all the roller coaster that comes with a viral global pandemic (laughs) right right and then the I'm just gonna, I'm not trying to get political, but I'm gonna say the improper response, right? Oh, so, goodness. And the yeah. lack of prevention of spread, et cetera. Anyway, so I wanna ask you something. First of all, I think it's beautiful how you have reminded the world that we mustn't silo emotions, spirit, and psychology. Um, I, I studied a lot of Carl Jung and the shadow self. And I think that you're, taking that and expanding that work into the physical as well, like, you know, the biology of it. I just Mm -hmm. think it's so fascinating and powerful. Um, But it's time in the show where I'm going to ask you what I call the wild card question, if you're good. Yeah, sure. Let's go. All right. I love that woman. (laughs) 
So I have this box and it's got 144 questions in it. I'm just going to pull randomly from the box. I need a, a drum roll. Here we go. Oh, well, this is perfect for you. Well, <laughs> it's given. Um, what is a dream you have yet to accomplish? Mm. I think that's too easy for you. <laughs> well, we can do another one, but I will say that I will say that my answer, the first answer that comes to mind is world peace. Um, oh, nice. I, I really do believe that when you deal with your traumas and you gain, I look at it like if every person were to understand their own body and biology and be able to control their own amygdala, their own emotions, their own reactions, that that is a peaceful space and it solves a lot of the world's problems. So I'm like, okay, how do I get this to a platform where enough people can learn about this that I that we actually see the results of having evolved human beings? Um, and every person working on them so kind of rip your mind off of everybody else and put it on yourself and do the work to do that self-healing and that's how you heal the world so that's my that would be my answer for that you know I, that's a that's a beautiful answer and and it, it so it was easy to say the answer but it wasn't easy to get to where you are to make that answer your answer right so um <laughs> I have to tell you how crazy this is. It's almost like the universe is telling you to answer that question because I pulled another card when you said, okay. well, you can go ahead and pull another card. I did. And the card says, what is your dream career? So mm -hmm. I think that the universe is saying, let her answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my dream career is actually exactly what I'm doing, which is yeah. being a educator and being, being an educator for the masses, connecting the dots between science and spirituality. They don't have to be in opposition. In fact, they're right. in reality, they're connected. Um, science is the language of the universe. And the human humans are fascinating. The universe is fascinating. We're so caught up in fear, which is fair because when you have um, fear being transmitted to you through all your airways, you will feel more fear. But love is actually the 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 deepest component of all of us, and I know that it's there. So I, I just wish I could get people to. I know that I can get people to see themselves the way I see them, which is as a very powerful but primitive creature capable of healing themselves or hurting themselves, healing other people or hurting them. And at every moment we all, yeah, we all live in those oppositions. So. Right. I was just going to say at the end of the day, that's your only choice, fear or love. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I and you don't, you don't disappear when you're doing stuff and no, no one makes your emotions other than you. It's basically how you're interpreting whatever you're interpreting, your amygdala will give you that experience. And once I understood that, I'm like, oh, okay, well, we just didn't know what buttons to push. So now Did we can. talk <laughs> about the difference between paranoia and intuition? I, I have not addressed that specifically, but I certainly- well, um, One day I, you and I will have yeah, that conversation. I was gonna say, that'd be a great conversation. It's very powerful to, to study that. Let me ask you, uh, if people want to know more about you, how can they reach you? 
So they can follow me on any of the social media platforms. I think I have most of them now, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and that's under Dr. Alana, D-R-A-L-A-U-N-A. And then they can sign up to learn more from me at the try, which is da-tri.org, where I have an online academy where I teach more about your brain, body, and behavior. And I try to make it fun and interesting. So check me out. No doubt. No doubt. So I hear your phone is ringing off the hook already. (laughs) People want more. But folks, if you didn't get to write that down, don't worry, because I'll put it in the blog that I write. Y'all know that every, um, on my website at freemanmeansbusiness.com, there's a, a page called Blogcast. And every time I do a podcast, I also write a blog. So I'll include all of Dr. Alana's contact info, her website, her bio, a headshot, and maybe some, some pictures that tell the story of you, um, Doc, that, that, you know, are outside of your headshot, like, like the story (laughs) of you, like, what do you do for fun? Or, or, you know, if you want, we'll include that. So look for that. I've got a few available (laughs) within a week. Sound good? Sounds great. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I adore you. And now all my listeners do too. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be a guest and I'm just honored to, I, I was even thinking this morning about how uh, humbled I am to be able to bring a message like this to the world. So I appreciate people listening and doing the work, do the work. Well, I have a really good feeling you'll be back on my show and I might even get you. I have a couple of other shows that I want to get you on too. So stay tuned folks for more of Dr. Alana. Have a good day, everybody. And thank you for listening.